Hi everybody, the George Wilder. Hi everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad.
All right. All right, everybody. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. As some of you probably noticed, we were not on the air yesterday. I was feeling a little bit under the weather, but hopefully I'm not going to die on the radio today. But anyway, <coughs> excuse me, uh, a little bit under the weather, actually. Just uh, it, it happens to most of us. And, um, you know, so I didn't have any fill-in, you know, so. Um, but I'm back today. The George Wilder Jr. Show is on the air and it is another gloomy day in the city of Chicago, but it feels great. It's another summer day. It's October. And uh, in case you um, uh podcasting this show at a earlier date, you'll know that, or a later date, whatever. Uh, you'll know that it's a um, <clears throat> um, podcast show. You know this, it's, this is October. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show, broadcasting live out of the city of Chicago on the north side on the north side of the city of Chicago. And we, yeah, it is some of the things you hear on the radio, the national news about crime. It's true. <laughs> and I've had people say, George, why do you stay there? I mean, I've, I've seen people in the city of Chicago who love this city, but the, the crime rate, it just makes them, you know, take them and their children and the rest of their family out of the city. And uh, that's a shame because it's a beautiful city. And we have politicians who are, um, one of their jobs is to protect the people of their city, their district, their state, and they're not doing that. Because if they were, people would not be dying. Okay, uh, these guys come out with their own statistics, their own made-up facts that crime is low and all this kind of thing. You can't tell that to mothers and fathers of, of young men and women who are gunned down in the middle of the street every night. They don't think crime is low. They don't think it's down. But by you saying that crime is down, I mean, it, it sounds like you actually belittling the fact that they, that they, that, uh, I can't even talk, that their young one was murdered. Uh, and I actually don't think they mean that, but that's what it appears and sounds like, that they're belittling the people who actually are shot and uh, are victims of some sort of crime each and every day on the streets of Chicago. You know, uh, I, I've said, I mean, I have jumped in the police ass, uh, uh, you know, so many times, you know, and I've offered solutions, but nobody said, hey, we're not going to take your, uh, you know, I mean, you can, there is no doubt about it. There is a way to bring crime down in any municipality, any city, anywhere, any, there is a way, but you have to have people who are willing to uh, make that, uh, make it come into full fruition, fruition, I can't even say that. Anyway, there is a way for crime to be lowered, but you got to have people willing to do it, to implement it, to get it going. We don't have that. I mean, you got to have a plan. You got to have some sort of solution, and it, it has to be a long, long-term plan. A lot of the plans that they've had in the city of Chicago for lowering crime failed miserably. I mean, how can twenty people get shot one night and then you go on television and you tell everybody crime is down? That doesn't make sense. 
Locally, crime is down. Excuse me. Locally, crime is down. But nationally, crime is up. And one of the reasons why the crime is up nationally is because of Chicago is leading the way. I've said so many times that the way to get crime down in the city of Chicago is to have police or policing in some of these high crime communities, some of these high crime districts 24-7. I've said this until I'm blue in the face. You gotta have, you, you've gotta have officers that are stationary, you know, uh, in these crime areas. And you gotta be able to know where uh, crime is likely to be committed. And 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 go there and be there to prevent it because a police officer in a uniform, wearing a uniform, that's a deterrent. Someone sees a police car outside of their residence or outside uh, on the street, they're going to think twice before they try to commit a crime in that area. If someone sees a police officer patrolling down the street constantly, they're going to think twice before they do anything. If someone knows that a police officer is right there on the scene 24-7, around the clock, they're not going to uh, do anything. uh, uh, They're not going to commit any kind of a crime. They may go somewhere else and do it, but not at that particular spot because there's a police officer there. You've got to have policing in the city of Chicago and elsewhere, Detroit, New York, uh, New York, Los Angeles, and a lot of these uh, cities do not have the crime rate, rate that Chicago has. But still in all, you, you need 24-hour policing. And as Chicago has been hiring police officers, they've had federal help, and still they can't get this, these numbers down to a satisfactory, uh, to satisfactory to some of the residents in, the, in, in, the, uh, in some of these crime areas. And that's a shame. I've said, and I've also said that you need the National Guard. There's nothing wrong with having the National Guard in some of these communities. There's nothing wrong at all. That's what they're for, emergencies. There's nothing wrong with that, but they don't want the National Guard. The National Guard is like, it's, it's, those are nasty words to, to the politicians. We don't want that. Children being gunned down. You can't walk down the street without being hit upside the head and and your phone taken. I mean, if you need help, ask for help. But uh, they don't want to ask for help because they don't. Want, they feel uh, Mary Manuel and the and police and the police superintendent, if I can say it, they are. Um, they don't want it. I mean, it'll make them look like failures, as, as if they can't do anything. Well, duh. <laughs> Well, anyway, Chicago is a beautiful city, and we do have our problems, and uh, that's what this show is all about, making Chicago a better place, making the world a better place one show at a time, and that's what it's all about. I mean, that is what it's all about. It's a beautiful city. It's expensive. It's expensive, and I'm going to get into talking about this soda tank. I mean, this is, I mean, it's been implemented already, but there's a lot of people trying to get it repealed. And then there's people who don't want it repealed. So you got the uh, uh, opposition and you got the opponents that uh, 
uh, people who are for it. I'm against it. I'm totally against it. Uh, they're saying, if I can talk about this uh, 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 beverage tax, basically what these people are saying, the proponents, Tony Prepwinkle, the president of Cook County in, this, in Chicago, I don't know why we have a, a Cook County president. I, I just don't see what, why we have to have it. But anyway, she is the one who initiated this uh, soda tax. And, and basically, she and her people were saying that um, the reason why they need they want this soda tax was the primary reason for them putting this soda tax on everybody, sugary beverages, was because they were trying to lower the, the cause of diabetes. They know sugar is a cause of, so too much sugar causes diabetes, and they were talking about the kids shouldn't be drinking diabetes, that it was a health. I mean, shouldn't be drinking soda pop. They're, it's a health problem. They're becoming overweight. And so that's why they uh, put this high-ass tax, this penny-an-ounce tax on on soda, sweetened sodas. Uh, but there's, there's a component to this. This tax not only is uh, on the sweetened beverages like Coke and all that kind of stuff, orange pop, grape pop, and stuff like that, uh, two-liter pops, um, it's on stuff that's not that doesn't have any calories, don't have any sugar. They don't have any sugar. So this is a scam. I knew it was a scam from the get go. They wanted this tax. The reason why they keep trying to uh, uh, keep trying to stop this tax from being repealed is because they're trying to balance their budgets. It's not about this tax was never about diabetes. It was never about obesity. It, it was never about keeping the children from uh, uh, getting fat or getting sick or becoming obese. This tax, this Cook County beverage tax in the city of Chicago is about balancing their budget. And now they're admitting it. But still and all, they got these commercials running all over television saying that it's, uh, it, they want the tax because it would lower uh, uh, the on the oncoming of diabetes and obesity, which is a total lie. It's a total lie. I mean, if you're going to, because if they're going to tax, if you think about it, if they're going to tax sugary beverages, why in the hell aren't you taxing cookies and cakes and, and ding-dongs and Twinkies? I mean, this these things are more filled with sugar than anything. Of course, kids, you were a kid, I were a kid. We all liked uh, to drink pop and to drink <laughs> and to eat cake. It, it's just a normal part of growing up. But don't say that uh, you, you, we, you're going to put this tax on us. We, you want us to pay this tax because uh, to cut down on, on, on health crisis. It's not about diabetes. It's not about uh, uh, keeping kids from uh, drinking sodas, sweetened sodas and pops. And, you know, it's about balancing their budgets. Tony Preckwinkle was on television today saying if they don't get this tax, she's going to be laying off a lot of people. Services are going to be cut. Well, if she lays off a lot of people, if this tax is repealed and she lays off a lot of people, that's on her. That's not on, on the people of Chicago. Or, or of Illinois, that's on her. That's her problem. That's not, if you live in the city of Chicago, that's not your problem. That's not, 
That's her problem. She's going to lay off people. She's going to end services. That's up to her. You know, I mean, the people in Chicago, we're already taxed to the hilt. We got a $588 million property taxes. And if, and even if you're paying rent, <laughs> uh, don't think, don't ever think that you're not uh, paying property taxes because your property taxes, as high as rents are today, your property taxes for your rental apartment or whatever is included <laughs> in your lease. I mean, so, and therefore, when you're paying your rent every month, you're also paying uh, property taxes. So it hits everybody. It's very expensive to live in the city of Chicago. And a lot of people are struggling. And all these people do in government is tax, 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 tax. Go into your pockets where you don't have anything to give, but they don't care. They want it. Just like... Tony Prepwinkle, for instance, the, the president of the Cook County Board in the city of Chicago. Now, she's adamant about a tax. But you know what? If this soda tax is not repealed and Tony Prepwinkle and her commissioners get this tax, the first thing that's going to happen, I bet you $100 million, the first thing these people are going to do is give out raises, give out bonuses, and go and have pizza parties. This is what they do when they raise your taxes, when they successfully raise your taxes. Bonuses, pizza parties, receptions. Hey, we got it. Raises to uh, to the employees. And it's about balancing their budget. Now, Tony Prepwinkle, I don't know... Uh, Tony Prepwinkle, I mean, this is her. Uh, we voted for her. I didn't vote for her, okay? I, I I just have enough sense not to vote for these kinds of people, but a lot of people don't have that uh, enough sense to not to vote for people like Tony Prepwinkle, but I had enough sense not to vote for her. You have to realize that that these people, they do not represent you or me. They represent themselves. They represent their party. And... Uh, I just don't understand it. But but however, if she's going to run for re-election, she may as well go look for another job because she's out of there. One of the reasons people voted for Tony Prentwinkle because they were fed up with Todd Stroger's mess. He was he was a guy who raised a lot of taxes for Cook County too and he was voted out. So we thought Tony Prentwinkle was going to come in and just repeal every tax that he had raised, but lo and behold, she's raising them higher than as much as he did. You can't trust these goddamn politicians. They're going to rip you off and say it's good for the city. It's good for the country. It's good for America. And you know it's not good because there's money coming out of your pocket. It's good for them. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio, folks. Uh, I want to thank you for tuning in and I'm still a little bit under the weather, but I think we're going to make it through this show. Uh, Wow. Daylight savings time. You can tell that it's ending because it's getting darker earlier, at least in the city of Chicago. Uh, But it's, but it's pretty nice. It's great. It still feels like summer a little bit. It's falling over into fall, 
But wherever you are in the world, I hope you're listening, and I hope everything is fine and, and everything is going well. Okay, so let's do this. We will be right back. We're going to do Ashley Judd. She's going to She's going to be doing something called Nasty Woman. There's some pretty bad words in here, but if you stick around, you'll find out what she's actually talking about. Ashley Judd on the Junior Junior Show. Next on the to-do list. Ashley Judd, stupid fucking slut. You can't sue someone for calling them a cunt. If you can't handle the internet, fuck off, whore. I wish Ashley Judd would die a horrible death. She is the absolute worst. Ashley Judd, you're the reason women shouldn't vote. Twisted is such a bad movie, I don't even want to rape it. Whatever you do, don't tell Ashley Judge she'll die alone with a dried-out vagina. If I had to fuck an older woman, oh my God, I would fuck the shit out of Ashley Judd. That bitch is hot AF. The unforgivable shit I would do to her. Online misogyny is a global gender rights tragedy, and it is imperative that it ends. Women's voices and our allies' voices are constrained in ways that are personally, economically, professionally, and politically damaged. And when we curb abuse, we will expand freedom. I am a Kentucky basketball fan, so on a fine March day last year, I was doing one of the things I do best. I was cheering for my Wildcats. The daffodils were blooming, but the referees were not blowing the whistle when I was telling them to. Funny, they're very friendly to me before the opening tip, but they really ignore me during the game. Three of my players were bleeding, so I did the next best thing. I tweeted. It is routine for me to be treated in the ways I've already described to you. It happens to me every single day on social media platforms such as Twitter and Facebook. Since I joined Twitter in 2011, misogyny and misogynists have amply demonstrated they will dog my every step. My spirituality, my faith, being a hillbilly, I can say that, you can't, all of it is fair game. And I have responded to this with various strategies. I've tried engaging people. This one guy was sending me hyper-sexual, nasty stuff, and there was a girl in his avatar, and I wrote him back and said, is that your daughter? I feel a lot of fear that you may think about and talk to women this way, and he surprised me by saying, you know what, you're right, I apologize. Sometimes people want to be held accountable. This one guy was musing to I don't know who, that maybe I was the definition of a cunt, I was married to a Scot for 14 years, so I said, cunt means many different things in different countries. But I'm pretty sure you epitomize the global standard of a dick. (laughs) 
I've tried to rise above it, I've tried to get in the trenches, but mostly I would scroll through these social media platforms with one eye partially closed, trying not to see it, but you can't make a cucumber out of a pickle. What is seen goes in, it's traumatic. And I was always secretly hoping in some part of me that what was being said to me and about me wasn't true. Because even I, an avowed, self-declared feminist who worships at the altar of Gloria, <laughs> internalized the patriarchy. This is really critical. Patriarchy is not boys and men. It is a system in which we all participate, including me. On that particular day, for some reason, that particular tweet after the basketball game triggered something called a cyber mob. This vitriolic, global outpouring of the most heinous hate speech, death threats, rape threats. And don't you know, when I was sitting at home alone in my nightgown, I got a phone call, and it was my beloved former husband, and he said on a voicemail, loved one, what is happening to you is not okay. And there was something about him taking a stand for me that night that allowed me to take a stand for myself, and I started to write. I started to write about sharing the fact that I'm a survivor of all forms of sexual abuse, including three rapes, and the hate speech I get in response to that. These are just some of the comments posted to news outlets. Being told I'm a snitch is really fun. Thank you, Jesus. May your grace and mercy shine. So I wrote this feminist op-ed. It is entitled, Forget Your Teen. It is your online gender violence toward girls and women that can kiss my righteous ass. <laughs> and I did that alone, and I published it alone, because my chief advisor said, please don't. The reign of retaliatory garbage that is inevitable, I fear for you. But I trust girls, and I trust women, and I trust our allies. It was published. It went viral. It proves that every single day, online misogyny is a phenomenon endured by us all, all over the world. And when it is intersectional, it is worse. Sexual orientation, gender identity, race, ethnicity, religion, you name it, it amplifies the violence endured by girls and women. And for our younger girls, it is worse. It's clearly traumatizing. Our mental health, our emotional well-being are so gravely affected because the threat of violence is experienced neurobiologically as violence. The cortisol shoots up. The limbic system gets fired. We lose productivity at work. And let's talk about work. Our ability to work is constrained. Online searches of women applying for jobs reveal nude pictures of them, false allegations they have STDs, their addresses indicating that they are available for sex. With real examples of people showing up at this house for said sex. Our ability to go to school is impaired. 96% of all postings of sexual images in our young people Girls, our girls, our boys are two to three times more likely non-consensually to share images. And I want to say a word about revenge porn. Part of what came out of this tweet 
was my getting connected with allies and other activists who were fighting for a safe and free internet. We started something called the Speech Project, curbing abuse, expanding freedom, and that website provides a critical forum, because there is no global legal thing to help us figure this out. But we do provide on that website a standardized list of definitions, because it's hard to attack a behavior in the right way if we're not all sharing a definition of what that behavior is. And I learned that revenge porn. Is often dangerously misapplied. It is the non-consensual sharing of an image, used tactically to shame and humiliate a girl or woman, that attempts to pornography us. Our natural sexuality is—I don't know about yours—pretty gorgeous and wonderful. And my expressing it does not pornography make. So I have all these resources that I'm keenly aware so many people in the world do not. I was able to start the speech project with colleagues. I can often get a social media company's attention. I have a wonderful visit to Facebook HQ coming up. <clears throat> Hasn't helped the idiotic reporting standards yet. I actually pay someone to scrub my social media feeds. Attempting to spare my brain the daily iterations of the trauma of hate speech, and guess what? I get hate speech for that. Oh, you live in an echo chamber. Well, guess what? Having someone post a photograph of me with my mouth open, saying they can't wait to come on my face, I have a right to set that boundary. And this distinction between virtual and real is specious because guess what? That actually happened to me once when I was a child, and so that tweet brought up that trauma, and I had to do work on that. But you know what we do? We take all of this hate speech, and we disaggregate it, and we code it, and we give that data. So that we understand the intersectionality of it. You know, when I get porn, when it's about political affiliation, when it's about age, when it's about all of it. We're going to win this fight. There are a lot of solutions. Thank goodness. I'm going to offer just a few, and of course, I challenge you to create and contribute your own. Number one, we have to start with digital media literacy, and clearly, it must have a gendered lens. Kids, schools, caregivers, parents—it's essential. Two. Shall we talk about our friends in tech? Said with dignity and respect, the sexism in your workplaces must end. Edge, the global standard for gender equality, is the minimum standard. And guess what? Silicon Valley, if L'Oreal in India, in the Philippines, in Brazil, and in Russia can do it, you. Can too. Enough excuses. Only when women have critical mass in every department at your companies, including building platforms from the ground up, will the conversations about priorities and solutions change. And more love for my friends in tech, profiteering off misogyny and video games must 
end. I'm so tired of hearing you talk to me at cocktail parties like you did a couple weeks ago in Aspen about how deplorable hashtag Gamergate was when you're still making billions of dollars off games that maim and dump women for sport. Basta, as the Italians would say. Enough. Our friends in law enforcement have much to do because we've seen that online violence is an extension of in-person violence. In our country, more girls and women have been murdered by their intimate partners than died on 9-11 and have died since in Afghanistan and Iraq combined. And it's not cool to say that, but it is true. We care so much geopolitically about what men are doing over there to women over there. In 2015, 72,828 women used intimate partner violence services in this country. That is not counting the girls and women and boys who needed them. Law enforcement must be empowered with up-to-date internet technology, the devices, and an understanding of these platforms, how they work. The police wanted to be helpful when Amanda Hess called about the death threat she was getting on Twitter, but they couldn't really when they said, what's Twitter? Our legislators must write and pass astute legislation that reflects today's technology and our notions of free and hate speech. In New York recently, nice. the law could not be applied to a perpetrator because the crimes must have been committed, even if it was anonymous, they must have been committed by telephone, in mail, by telegraph. <laughs> the language must be technologically neutral. So apparently, I've got a pretty bold voice. So let's talk about our friends, white men. You have a role to play and a choice to make. You can do something or you can do nothing. We're cool in this room, but when this goes out, everyone will say, oh my God, she's a reverse racist. That quote was said by a white man, oh, Robert Morris, chairperson, Price Waterhouse Cooper. He asked me to include it in my talk. We need to grow support lines and help groups so victims can help each other when their lives and finances have been derailed. We must, as individuals, disrupt gender violence. As it is happening, 92% of young people, 29 and under, witness it. 72% of us have witnessed it. We must have the courage and urgency to practice stopping it as it is unfolding. And lastly, believe her. Believe her. This is fundamentally a problem of human interaction. And thus, I believe that human interaction is at the core of our healing. Trauma not transformed will be trauma transferred. Edith Wharton said the end is latent in the beginning, so we are going to end this talk replacing hate speech with love speech. Because I get lonely in this, but I know that we are allies. I recently learned about how gratitude and affirmations 
offset negative interactions. It takes five of those to offset one negative interaction. And gratitude in particular, free, available globally, anytime, anywhere, to anyone in any dialect. It fires the pregenual anterior singlet, a watershed part of the brain that floods it with great good stuff. So I'm going to say awesome stuff about myself. I would like for you to reflect it back to me. It might sound something like this. <laughs> Making the world a better place, <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I'm so glad to be back on the radio, folks. We're going to be, I believe we're going to be on the air Columbus Day. Uh, it's next week, so from the date of this show, it's next week. But uh, eh, that's still up in the air. But we're going to see what we can do and try to be on the uh, uh, show uh, on Columbus Day. Anyway, gun stores selling out of bump stock after shooter ye- used them in Las Vegas. Uh, the shooting in Las Vegas where 58, 59 people were killed, over 200 were wounded. Was it 200 or 500? We'll figure that out. Anyway, a lot of people were shot. I mean, I mean, in the hundreds, a lot of people were shot. 58, 59 were killed. And they were saying that the shooter, Stephen Paddock, uh, kind of, um, he had this device on his on his on his weapon that made it uh sound like an um automatic weapon you know and they call it i believe they call it uh bump stock and they're saying that a lot of people are now um wiping out the, the gun stores buying this particular uh item to uh, connect to your gun or to uh reshape your gun and uh, to make it shoot a lot faster. Like, and uh, th- I'm hearing that the N- NRA, they're, they're even against this. Okay, gun stores selling out of bump stock, bump stock. They call it bump stock. I never heard of it, but it's, you know, you learn something every day. After shooter used them in Las Vegas massacre. I want to get one before there is a push to make them illegal. Okay, they're trying to make these things illegal. Even the NRA, even uh, even uh Paul Ryan had something to say about this, and he's, he didn't think that was right. But anyway, people are wiping them out before they make them illegal because they're talking about uh, banning these things uh, So uh, where you can change your gun. Gun stores nationwide are selling out bump stocks, a device used by, used by the Las Vegas shooter that allows a semi-automatic gun okay, to fire as quickly as a machine gun. 
you know. Uh, police say Stephen Paddock, 64-year-old gunman, was outfitted, had outfitted 12 of his firearms with bump stocks, which he used to fire hundreds of rounds into a crowd of 22,000 concert goers Sunday night uh, from the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Resort and, and Casino. Okay, it's a hotel. Hundreds were injured at at least 59 people were killed, including Paddock, who died from a apparent, apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. He killed himself, uh, allegedly. That's what this is what they're saying. So now people are that. But that's crazy. Why would you want to have something like this? Uh that's going to allow your gun to shoot a lot faster, like a machine gun, unless you you're out to kill people. That uh, that's what this is all about. So now that the NRA is stepping in and saying, "Wow," and the NRA they don't step in and do anything about anything that's gun related, but they're stepping in on this one because they figure that this is getting out of control. People have gun stores have nationwide, all over America, have sold out of these devices that you can put on your gun, uh, reshape your gun to uh, shoot a lot faster. If you if you have a gun that's going tot, 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 if you shoot, you go bang, 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 bang. Okay, you add this particular device, a bump start, and your your weapon will now sound like bang, 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 you know, a lot faster. And you know that totally, totally is uh, designed uh, to to shoot a lot of people, shoot a lot of people, and and with this massacre in Las Vegas, I mean, people have woken up to uh, these big events that host thousands and thousands and thousands of people. They know that the gunmen, the terrorists, this is where they are going to go. I'm hearing that. Before Las Vegas, this guy, uh, Stephen Paddock, he was uh, in Chicago scoping uh, the Lollapalooza. Okay, and he also was in Boston uh, around the baseball, uh, scoping the baseball field. He was scoping anywhere where there were millions, not millions, but thousands and thousands of people were attending baseball games, concerts, you name it. Uh, it's it's almost like you you you're a, you can't go anywhere anymore. I remember a couple of years ago, they were gunning down people who were in theaters. I don't want to put any any of that on anybody's mind out there, but uh, you you're just about not safe anywhere you go, especially if you're in a crowd of people, because that's what the terrorists and the ingrown terrorists and the domestic terrorists. This is what they're all about. Finding a place where lots of people gather and just go to town with just killing them, shooting. And now that now that uh, gun stores are selling out of this particular type of device that you can add to your gun and make it shoot a lot faster, quicker, it's it's crazy. They're selling out. Tell you that tells you there's going to be more people getting killed, getting shot up uh, because more people 
are owning this, these devices that they can connect to their guns called bump stocks that can make their gun into a machine gun. Oh, man, you're talking about making America better again. This is not doing it. People are afraid. Now, a lot of the, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people that are, are purchasing this device, and there's a hell of a lot of them, they're purchasing these devices because they're afraid. They're afraid for their lives. And it's legal to buy these things. It's, it's not, I mean, if, if you are a gun owner and you have all your papers together, your license, your permits, and all this kind of thing, your FOI card and all this together, and, and you can do this. This device is legal to buy. That's why so many people are wiping them off the store shelves, the store, the gun store shelves, and adding it to their uh, own gun to make it go faster. This tells you how many people actually own guns in the United States. Uh, there are a whole host of people who are owning guns. As I've said on several shows, you, when you're walking down the street, you don't know who's, who's carrying a gun and who's not carrying a gun. You don't know who's carrying uh, some sort of weapon and a person who's carrying no weapon. But in this uh, era and in, and in this time, I mean, people are afraid. Uh, they want to try and keep themselves safe. So they're going to carry something. Even if it's mace, it could be a, a knife or a fork or something. People are going to carry something that's going to uh, uh, ward off the bad guy. If if it's not uh, uh, an automatic or a, a machine gun. So it it is very, very, this is a very, very serious topic because, uh, you know, uh, people are just going crazy with these, uh, with, with uh, buying these guns at these, uh, and protecting themselves and they will use them. You know, I mean, people are going to protect their home. They're going to protect their family. They're going to protect themselves against, you know, aggression, which I think is good. But uh, then you're going to have those people who shouldn't be buying this device, this bump stock, uh, like the mentally ill, like criminals, or, or you may have people going into these stores buying this device bump stock bump stock legally then going out and selling these things to gangbangers on the street corners and they start using them because that's one of the things i think we have a big problem with is other people going into gun stores buying a ton of guns lots of guns legally and then selling them to uh, the bad guys on the street and that makes people a, a lot afraid also. That makes people a lot afraid. Because you never know when these people, that these people who are uh, buying this device to connect to their guns, they may be also buying the device uh, for a gangbanger or a thug or ex-convict who owns a lot of weapons and want to shoot fast, quick and get it over with so that makes people a lot uh more afraid that makes people a lot more afraid okay all right while some retailers such as walmart discontinued the sale of bump stock following the shooting others 
couldn't keep up with the demand. At least six online retailers examined by Newsweek had sold out of the device this week. Wow. So therefore, this dangerous device is in the hands of a lot of people as I speak. A lot of people. And as I've just got through saying, you never know how many of these people who have bought this device to connect to their weapon, to make it shoot a lot faster, a lot straighter, a lot more accurate, that these people will not be selling these things to um, gangbangers and thugs out on the street. So in other words, I mean, there's going to be a lot more danger out there. There's going to be a lot more shootings because somebody's going to get upset. You may buy a gun legally, but that doesn't mean you're going to that doesn't mean that you can't lose your mind one day <laughs> and go out and kill 100 people, shoot 100 people just for the hell of it. And that's what usually happens. A lot of these uh, massacres, especially ingrown massacres, um, uh, terrorists who are Americans who uh, shoot Americans, most of these people have their their weapons are legal. They just lose it one day. Somebody pissed them off, so they pick up their gun. They go out and kill a lot of people. And they bought all of this stuff legally, just like this guy, uh, Stephen Paddock, uh, in, his Las, in his Las Vegas massacre. Everything he had, bombs, uh, hand grenades, you name it. Uh, automatic, uh, semi-automatic weapons, machine guns, everything that this guy had, I think it was 42 weapons in all, he bought legally. And there's no doubt about it, a lot of the uh, police are saying, a lot of police are saying, excuse me, saying that he had help. They're saying that he could not have pulled this off by himself. They caught this guy with 42 guns, 42 guns all over the place. Everywhere they looked, everywhere they searched, uh, they found guns on this guy. So you know that this was carefully planned. This was a planned out, calculated uh, endeavor that this guy carried out. And I'm hearing that he had a his girlfriend was overseas. I'm, my thinking is that he sent his girlfriend overseas without actually telling him what he was up to, telling her what she, what he was up to. Excuse me. He sent her overseas without telling her what he was up to. Yeah, that's the way to say it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because she seems to uh, not to know anything after she voluntarily came back because the police asked her to come back. Because from my understanding, the police are still trying to find a motive to why he did this. They want to know why he did it. Just as simple as that. Why would he go out and do this? Um. I mean, they, they're trying to find a concrete motive. I can probably tell you why he did it. He was just pissed off at the world about something, and he just wanted to kill people. He just, he just uh, his brother said that he didn't, he didn't see any actual uh, a mental, mental illness in his uh, older brother. But, uh, you know, people lose it. People can lose it right at any second. And decide, you know, they want to go home and get their gun and just go out and shoot a bunch of people. 
And as I've said before, people are afraid. People are scared. This is why they're arming themselves. People are afraid. I mean, in this time, uh, in this era, 2017 of Donald Trump and the Republicans and white supremacy and racism, you know, I mean, uh, just walking out of your house, just walking, excuse me, just walking out of your house, walking out of your apartment, walking out of your home, you you never know if you're going to make it back. You never know if you're going to come back home. I mean, it's it's a risk you take every day, even going to work, catching a subway train or driving down the highways. I mean, they're shooting up the highways now. Yeah, they're shooting up the highways. I mean, uh, it, it's just um, phenomenal that uh, we live in such a dangerous world i mean you can't even catch the subway i mean the subway is i mean the rush hour and morning and and evening rush hours lots and lots and lots of people you know um and uh that's where the um killers um basically that's what they target they target places where there are lots and lots and lots and lots of people and uh and the politicians are always saying well don't be afraid. Don't let them stop you from doing what you do. Keep doing what you're doing. You want to bet? <laughs> you want to bet? You know, so that's one of the reasons why I think a lot of people, good people, law-abiding people, are arming themselves, especially the elderly. I mean, hey, you know, nobody goes out of the house anymore. Nobody leaves home anymore without carrying something doesn't matter what it is. It could be just as simple as some mace or something, uh, a knife or a gun. Uh, you know, somebody's carrying something. You know, you're walking down the street. People are passing you by both ways, driving. Somebody somewhere is carrying a weapon. doesn't mean that they're going to use it. They just have it for their own protection, which is reasonable to me you know i mean uh, i mean it's legal to it's legal to uh, have a gun in all 50 states you know but in some in some states you don't need a license to carry a gun i mean you just buy one go in and buy one that's it bang but in illinois you can't just go in and buy one you got you've got to have 16 hours of of training to make sure you know how to use it so you don't shoot yourself okay but some states in in America, you don't need a license. You don't need a permit. You don't need anything. You just walk into the damn store, see a, see a few guns, uh, some guns, and you just, if you have the money, you buy. There's no background checks. There's no waiting period. There's no nothing. And I think that's wrong. But the NRA and the Republicans, they don't want nothing uh, to do with the uh, background checks or, or anything, which I think is stupid because there's nothing wrong with um, having a gun. I mean, you can have a gun. Everybody can have, have a gun. That's no problem. But we want to try and keep the guns out of the hands of those who should not have a gun. But sometimes you don't know who's mentally ill and who's not mentally ill. You know, I mean, a person can can go in and buy a gun and be just as sane as you or me. After a while, you know, something pisses him off or piss her off and they grab their automatic weapons and they go out and to the subway somewhere or to a ballpark and just start killing people because, 
you know, somebody pissed them off or made them mad. Or this is something that they've been planning for a long time and going around um, having us thinking that they're sane when they're actually insane. So it it's basically, when you walk out in the street, it's basically you're taking a chance every day. You're taking a chance. You may not even come back. It doesn't matter where you live in the United States. No place is that safe. And there's not enough police officers in the world that's going to keep you safe if someone wants to do harm to you. So it's, it's, it's baffling. It's baffling, but we are going to still try to make the world a better place at the George Wilder Jr. Show. So keep you, keep your wits about you. Yeah, it's bad. It's awful, but we cannot get uh, deep down into some sort of depression. We cannot feel bad or, or start crying about what's going on because it's not going to do any good. The best thing you can do is keep living your keep living your life the best way you possibly can and uh, you know and hopefully uh, crime or uh, something like this will never uh, cross your path you know so because there's too many people out here oh the world is such a mess it's just you can't cry forever you can't moan and groan about situations Forever, it's okay to moan and groan. A lot of we have emotionals. We have a lot of emotion. We have a lot of feeling. We feel for other people who are going through so much. But but you know, there is a time when you can't moan and groan anymore. You just have to get pick yourself up and start your life. Live your life. It is true. You can't let terrorism stop you from doing the things you love. If I had let things in my life stop me from doing the things I love. I wouldn't be on the radio. I wouldn't have been having this show for as long as I've had it. I wouldn't have had the books and the success that I've had if I would have let negativity from other people stop me. You can't let things stop you, no matter how bad it is, no matter how how people try to uh, hold you back. You got to keep going. You got to find a way to break away from all of that, break away from uh, uh, the negativity, the sadness, the depression, the loneliness, and and stop listening to what people are saying, especially if it's negative talk. And pick yourself up by your bootstrings and, and be a success. Use your talents that you have that you know use your creativity uh to be the best that you can be the world is going to be what it is you know and um you know i i preach every day on this show about making the world a better place one show at a time and suddenly the world it seems like things just go to hell you know, with the tornadoes, with the Las Vegas shootings, with the uh, terrorist attacks in London. I mean, it's all over the place. Earthquakes in Mexico, earthquakes in California. It's all over the place. People dying. I mean, you see children being pulled up out of rubble, out of rocks, and uh, uh, 
because of an earthquake. It, it's it's just awful. Oh, and you see the elderly being pulled up out of uh, being rescued. <laughs> People on top of their houses being rescued by helicopters because of the floodwaters uh, that were once in uh, Houston, Texas. It, the world is a mess. People saying, where's God? Where's Jesus? Why is God letting this happen? I'm pretty sure the Bible thumpers out there, <laughs> I mean, every Sunday at church, I'm pretty sure uh, a lot of the congregation getting a, a earful. But um, we just have to uh, uh, endure some of these things, some of the, some of the, some of the things that are, that are caused by nature, um, tornadoes, twisters, um, terrorist attacks, ingrown terrorism. It, it's all bad. It's it's all bad. Um, I don't know what to say, but we got to keep our heads about us. We got to keep our heads about us. You know, we can't uh, not walk to the corners. We cannot, excuse me, we cannot walk to the corner store if we feel as if we feel that we may not come back. We got to walk to the corner. We may need a loaf of bread or a quart of milk or something. We have to go to the a corner store and. Uh, uh, get that. We can't, uh, I guess what I'm saying, we can't really stay in the house forever to try to uh, keep from, to avoid violence, you know. Um, we just have to do what we have to do. We have to stay vigilant. We have to be smart. Uh, we we have to uh, stop the moaning and groaning and uh, get out there and help make the world a better place. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It's 7.01 uh, Chicago time, straight up, 7.01, 7.01 p.m. It is, it is pitch black out there. Uh, daylight saving times is, is over. And uh, I've been talking about gun stores selling out the bump stocks after shooter used them in Las Vegas massacre. And I want to say something else about it, if I haven't said it already, Um uh, this tells me that there's going to be, I don't want to, I could be wrong and I hope that I'm wrong, but this tells me that there's going to be more shootings. I mean, these people are going out here buying this device, hooking it up, hooking it up to their guns. That's going to make it shoot faster. Like the, like this guy in Las Vegas. Um, this, this is not a good thing. This is why I believe the NRA has stepped in on this. The NRA is against this. But they may stop the sale of this, but that will not ease the fears of those of us who know that there's a lot of people, maybe thousands of people who have this device already. So they can try to outlaw this, this, this product, but there's so many people have it already. They can stop selling it. They can take it off the market. They can take it off the shelves, but that will not stop the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who already have it. That can just only stop the people uh, uh, right now uh, from getting it right now. But those who have uh, already purchased this uh, bump stock uh, to be added to their weapon, to make it shoot a lot faster, a lot stronger, more accurate, uh, it's out there, and it, it would be a shame if uh, if a lot of if a lot of people bought this device for this for these um, semi semi automatic guns, and for gangbangers and thugs and selling it 
to the gangbangers and thugs. So this is not over with. This is not over with. So we, the people, we have to be vigilant about this. We have to be, uh, you know, you just can't walk outside anymore and just la, la, la on your way. You have to pay attention to everybody passing you by, people behind you, the folks driving up in the car. <laughs> You've got to be on alert because these people have these devices uh, on their guns and uh, they may be ready to shoot at any minute. Uh, people with quick tempers. Wow. This is something. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We have no guests today, folks. I didn't even schedule anybody today. You know, It's just been one of those weeks. It's been one of those weeks. My son has been um, arrested for walking while black. Um, so well, I get a, a, it. A lot of sons have been. Yeah, arrested. I get it. I mean, it doesn't make me, you know, you can't buy your way out of this one. You can't educate your way out of it. Um, it's, it's just happening too much, or at least we know about it now. It's, it's always happened. Um, we see more evidence of it. And too often people still are inclined to say, well, if he'd had a different attitude, well, if he hadn't been driving, well, if he hadn't been this, if he hadn't been that, almost as if the victim is partially to blame. You know, in the case of Garner, well, he shouldn't have resisted. In the case of Brown, well, where was he? In the case of Trayvon, well, he had a hood on, you know, and in, in, in the case of whoever, you know, in case of uh, Sandra Bland, you know, well, her attitude was better. It's like, no, stop, stop. This has nothing to do with the victims. This has everything to do with the culture of demeaning a person of color. And, and there is no justification for society where my son has a far greater chance of being stopped, held, killed than your son, simply because he's black. All right, Donald Trump, he is now saying, he is now calling for Congress or lawyers or something to investigate the media. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't like the reports of him going, uh, you know, going out, what people are saying about him. He doesn't, he wants the media to be investigated. Donald Trump, says things out of his ass. He talks straight up out of his ass. We know that. This is just a distraction. Another distraction. He's going to have the media investigated because they're reporting the truth. That's crazy. He doesn't like what he sees. He doesn't like what he hears. Even though it's the truth. The media is not lying on him. Uh, 
we we're seeing what we're seeing. We're hearing what we're hearing from him. We're seeing what he's doing and what he's not doing is an embarrassment. And now he wants to uh, investigate the media for reporting the truth on him. He's still going around saying fake news, fake president. You know, so and there I'm hearing there is a um, rift rift between Donald Trump and his secretary of state, Rotten Rex Tillerson. This guy don't know the first thing about he don't know the first thing about being secretary of state. Just like Donald Trump doesn't know the first thing about being a president. But Donald Trump is learning. But Donald Trump will always be Donald Trump. Have you ever I mean, a lot of us have listened to Donald Trump talk somber, talk somber. I mean, talk in a way where it sounds where he sounds reasonable and intelligent and logical. Of course, he's reading it. But the real Donald Trump is the Donald Trump who's let loose. That, that's the Donald Trump. The Donald Trump who is not reading a teleprompter. Who the Donald Trump who is not letting himself be being be told what to say. It's the Donald Trump. I mean, he is he's a he is a wrecking ball. And now he wants to uh, to investigate the media. This guy is just pulling stuff out of his butt. Uh, he's trying to distract against the Russia investigation into him. He don't want you thinking about that. Donald Trump does something one day. He'll say something one day. Then he'll jump to something more atrocious the next day. And then after that, he'll jump to something more atrocious after that. Then he'll say something more stupid because he knows the media is going to grab onto it. I don't know. You know, Donald Trump, he, he just likes to distract. That's why we're focusing on Donald Trump, what he says, what he does, what he, a lot of it's, a lot of it's just plain stupid, but, you know, and then he gets negative press on it for stupidity. And now he wants the press investigated for uh, reporting things about him that's true that is on videotape <laughs> the guy yeah i agree i think facebook and other social media they are they don't like donald trump okay social media facebook they don't like donald trump and donald trump knows this he knows that uh, <laughs> social media is not his friend he knows it and at one time uh i was seeing a report that he was going to he was going to start to come after facebook his facebook critics people who were critic of critic oh man people who were uh uh critical of him easy for me to say right people who were critic critical of him on facebook and a lot of the folks on facebook thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands were saying hey then come after me i mean they were they were saying hey but once again it's Trump talking out of his butt. It's it's him trying to distract. That's all it is. And by him being president, everybody's going to be hanging on his every word, what he says, how he says it, when he says it, if it's stupid, if it's dumb, if it's logical. People are going to report it. Majority of the time, Trump gets negative press because not because of the media, but because of himself. And he doesn't like it. 
he doesn't like the truth to be reported about him. And that's what the media does. Donald Trump is one of the dumbest guys in the world because if you want one friend in the world as president, you would want a media friend, somebody in the media. Because there was, there was an old saying uh, years ago that the media could build you up and the media can also tear you down. So I, I think he's stupid at that point to attack the media when the media is uh, uh, journalists uh, – uh, only because they're telling the truth. Reporters, only because they're telling the truth. And that's all they've been doing on Trump is telling the truth. He doesn't like the truth. He can't stand the truth. So now he's going to try and have the media investigate it, which I don't think that's going to go anywhere. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And that this is why I keep saying Trump talks out of his butt. That's all he does. He And he talks because he knows that we're going to pick it up. The world's going to pick it up and we're going to run with it. And while we're uh, trying to, uh, 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 the, while we're trying to pull apart, take apart or dissect the, what he, he is saying or has said or has done, the Republicans in Congress, they're trying to push legislation that we don't like in Congress because we've been distracted by what Trump has said or something he's done. So I, I think this really is a ploy. Get Trump to distract Americans away from what the Republicans are doing in Congress, you know, <laughs> so they can pass legislation uh, hurting America while we're over here uh, uh, lambasting Trump for something he read or something he's done or, or something to that effect. I think that's, I think they're playing it at both ends here. And the American people, we're the dummies, right? Uh, we're focusing on Trump while uh, the Republicans in Congress are screwing us. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. And it's October. <laughs> I mean, this year has really gone, uh, flown by, folks. This year has really... Uh, gone away uh you know i mean it's going to be 2018 uh in a maybe one or two months through two or three months and another year older <laughs> uh let's hope that we don't get another terrorist attack let's hope we don't get another i'm already hearing something about another hurricane i haven't got the uh total mo on it but i'm hearing there's another t hurricane i guess hurricanes are going to be in the future. And um, I'm also hearing that Congress is putting out their new budget. Uh, lot, there's going to be a lot of cuts. Uh, I don't know too much about it because I haven't been too much versed on it, but there's going to be a lot of cuts. Medicare, uh, Medicaid, Medicare. Uh, I still think they're trying to make all these cuts so they can get the funding for Trump's wall. So they're going to hurt people to get the funding for Trump's wall. I actually think, in reality, I think a wall will never happen. I don't think it will ever happen. Remember when Trump was saying Mexico is going to pay for the wall? Mexico is going to pay for the wall? That was dumb. Mex <laughs> Mexico is not going to pay for no wall. Uh, the taxpayers, we're not going to pay for no wall. You know, so... <laughs> 
you know, but, you know, there may be, um, this could be, all these cuts could be for, um, Trump trying to get money to build a wall, you know, which is stupid. But that's Donald Trump. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio, broadcasting straight up out of Chicago. Hate has no home here. Be nice to one another. And I always say that. Be nice to one another. That's one way of making the world a better place. If, you, if you're nice to somebody, you don't have to, you, you probably won't pull out your gun and shoot them if you're nice to somebody. You know, be nice, be respectful. Uh, look up to your elders. Don't treat, don't treat the older people like they are nothing and they're going to die someday. I mean, hey, treat them, treat them with respect and uh, you're going to get a lot of respect back. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Do we have something we can do here? All right, we'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, the George Wilder Jr. Show has now arrived.
let me talk to Donald Trump and explain to him that as president of the United States, he represents blacks and Jewish people and Hispanics and people of every color and every creed. And it is his job as president of the United States to stand up for each and every American, to stand up vertically against racism and bigotry. Peddling to racism is just as bad as being a racist. So Donald Trump is either a racist or he's peddling to it, and both are frank, frankly unacceptable and make him unfit to be president of the United States. If you can't be president, if you cannot stand up and represent Americans, you should not be president. And to my party, to the Republicans who are speaking out today, my question is, what the hell took you so long? When someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. For too long, Republicans in Congress, elected leaders, have looked the other way while a misogynist, racist, bigoted pig is in the White House. Let me tell you, we cannot capitulate the office of the presidency of the United States. We cannot capitulate moral clarity. We cannot capitulate principles. We cannot capitulate Republican values and American values. No piece of legislation no bone that he may throw on policy, no regulation is worth cheapening the office of the United States this way. It is breaking us apart. It is not news that's breaking us apart. It is the President of the United States who is causing this news. So Republicans need to stand up, need to grow a spine, and need to reject him. They don't, I'm tired of hearing Republicans say they're disappointed and disturbed by something he says. You know what? When he invites you to the White House, don't yeah. go. When he invites you to dinner, don't go. Do not stand next to him until he starts behaving in a presidential manner. Go. And if he can't, you've got to confront him over and over and over and over again. And, Governor, here's, here's, what, here's what folks are saying. Um, those comments today that were at Trump Tower, in the same place where he launched his presidential campaign in June of 2015, by saying this. When Mexico sends its people... They're not sending their best. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. So, Governor, you know, the folks who are his critics are saying he showed us who he was in those comments over two years ago. At least he's consistent, he hasn't changed, should, and people shouldn't be surprised by his behavior today. They expected it all along. What do you take, what issue do you take with him by saying just what he said? The fact of the matter is, being a border governor, we know that we're not getting the best that what Mexico can send to us. We know that the drug cartels are down there. We know that the rapists are coming across, and then they go to sanctuary cities, and then they head back, and then they come back here again. You know, this is America. The American people ought to be protected also. And I'll and let you respond to that as, as, rhetoric. as a Latina. Again, Don, life is too short for me to respond uh, to something like that. What I will say is that it, you're exactly right. He showed us during the campaign over and over and over who he was. We saw him boast about sexual predatory behavior. We, we heard him attack Judge Curiel. We heard him attack the cons. We heard him attack Mexicans. We heard him attack women. Over and over and over again, he showed us who he was. But Republicans, so many Republicans, look, I have friends here in Miami who voted for him because he was going to change Cuba policy, and he did. But that's not enough. 
that is not enough because the harm he is causing this country is just too great to look the other way. And many people thought that when he entered the Oval Office, he would become presidential, that the magnitude of his office would make him change and become a presidential figure. Well, six and a half months have gone by, seven months have gone by. You don't change a 71-year-old man. He mm. is not going to change. And it is time that Republicans start realizing yeah, that and, and stop giving him a damn chance. He's not going to change. He will continue embarrassing us and making us feel ashamed. Governor, and, and Governor, you're okay with everything he said today? I am, I am, from everything that I heard, I don't have a problem with it. But the fact of the matter is, is that all of this rhetoric is all sour grapes because it's just continually coming through um, the networks uh, across our country. And he was duly elected. He is uh, the president of the United States. And for people to use some of the verbiage that they've used Anna is in a Republican, to a long-time Republican, by our, I understand that. Now you've lost my, I lost you my You said that, uh, you said it's destroying. our president. We need to, pardon? I was just trying to help you complete your thought. <laughs> it's just, it's, the, it comes across, it sincerely comes across that everybody's candidate didn't win, so they just want to go after the president on every little issue. There's code words, there's dog whistles, there's, you know, this and this, that. I mean, my God, I've lived, again, a long time, and I've never, ever seen uh, part of our country behave in this manner, to this extent. It's over the top, and it's disturbing. And so many There are people who are watching, Governor, uh, who will say that they, they sounds like you're talking about Donald Trump and those people who were out there with torches the other night. Well, those are bad people. Those are bad How did you how does she ever become governor of, of uh, Arizona? She's not governor no more. Uh, you know, I mean, she just she's stupid. I don't know how these stupid people <laughs> get elected. I guess stupid people vote for them, you know. So I don't know how in the hell Jan Brewer, uh, she was the governor of California, uh, Arizona, sorry. And um, she was just in an interview there, so. I don't know. Anyway, thanks for listening to the George Walter Jr. Show. We're just about off the air. I want to thank everybody. I don't know. We may be back Monday, and then I'm going to decide what I'm going to do the show on uh, on Columbus Day. It could happen, so stay tuned for that. We're going to have plenty of guests on the show next throughout the month, next week and throughout the month. So I want to thank everybody for listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We've got about two or three more minutes left into the show. And it's been fun as always, folks. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you tune in <laughs> all the time. And don't forget to listen to my podcast. It's a lot of them up there. It's about three or 400 of them up there. Yeah, yeah, three or 400 podcasts, and they're all good. You know, so it's my show. And uh, <laughs> enjoy, folks. And uh, you guys have a great weekend, great evening. And we'll, I hope you be back next week. We're going to have a lot of fun next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Help the 
roses if the bombs begin to fall. Black man, if he struggles one more day, never help the white man if he turns back away, never help the man who kicks the man as a crawl, never help the song. From the mighty and the mighty from the small. 